Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the happy hour edition of the Patrick Lally Show. Uh, it's good to be in Friday, isn't it? We've prepared two hours of lively conversation to take you out of the work week. Uber producer Dan Peters is here, back in studio with us, to, and we'll discuss news and politics, workplace behavior, the outdoors, some music. We've got a little bit of everything for you today. Thanks for being with us today, whether that's in your car, listening on the radio, out on the job site somewhere, streaming through KSO.com or on the KSOO mobile app, which is available now on the iOS store, the Apple store, and Android. As always, you can uh, peek behind the scenes on Facebook Live through the KSOO page or follow along through our Twitter feed at P. Lally Show, and we can encourage you to use that account to shoot us questions and comments. Dan's back there monitoring the uh, Twitter feed constantly, feeding that beast. Oh, it looks like a fantastic... Fantastic December weekend ahead of us. It's a gorgeous day out there right now. It's the final big weekend of the Christmas shopping season, really, really, before we hit the actual holiday weekend. Not that there won't be anybody out shopping next weekend. I mean, that that's going to happen. But this weekend, this is going to be big, big, big. So that patience must be a virtue today. Yes. And and you did say it was happy hour, didn't you? So, yeah, we can be a little happy for the happy hour edition of the Patrick Lally Show. All of a sudden, I'm in a better mood. We've got some quality chair dancing going on here in the studio today. (laughs) It's not pretty, folks. And if you're on Facebook Live, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you had to see that. Uh, Yeah, it's going to be crazy out there. Be careful, people. Be careful. Be happy. Just remember, keep the keep the happy song in your head. Go to your happy place. Slow down. Be patient. It's just not worth getting angry about. You know, it's not worth throwing hand gestures or actual artifacts or articles out of your car. None of that. It's gonna be okay. Did you uh, did you get all your shopping done, Dan? Is that are you an early shopper? What you talk? Are you talking to me? <laughs> you talking to me, man? Oh man. I just don't like shopping in general. Yeah. So it's it's a hard thing for me to to do, and I just don't like doing it. So this it's this situation when your wife says, "Do you like this one or this one for the kids?" and you say, "Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah, you got me pegged." <laughs> I can see that happening. Um, I'm actually headed out there again tonight, uh, hoping to beat some of the crowds. Uh, I'm you know it's Friday night. It'll be. This is always a fun weekend because there's so many people in town shopping and people make a day of it and then they go out and it really is is a fun weekend. But I'm going to try and get out there tonight uh, and, uh, you know, beat some of the crowds. We know that some of the crowds will be at the opening of the Star Wars movie. Oh, that's right. Yes. I have heard good things. I have heard good things. I, I can't take standing in line for movies anymore, though. I, I just can't do it. I, I, if I if I can't get in there, walk in, sit down with five of my closest friends, and get out in a reasonable time, I'm not doing it. But did you know that the Sioux Falls Sky Force had their own private showing of me. the new? Yes, last night they did. Did you get to go? I couldn't because it was my daughter's Christmas concert. Oh uh, well, so, I, but so you we could've. were out of the loop on that. Oh bummer. Well, the, you'll still get to go. All the kids were saying, "Oh." 
Uh, if, if if given the choice, it'd be it, it'd be the movie, and, yeah, and, and my right. daughter agreed. What if you showed up with about thirty kids with the Sky Force saying, "Hi guys, brought my crew. We're gonna watch the movie with you guys. How about the, how's that sound?" Yeah, they said they had about one hundred and fifty people sign up, and only one did not make it. Wow! So they had a pretty good hit rate on that. I That's talked to them cool. earlier today. So this was like for season ticket holders and everybody. Yeah, right on. Yeah, because you know that era of of uh, that that's that uh that Star Wars motif mm-hmm. worked its way into the Sky Force naming. Oh yeah. That's true. That's pretty cool. Back in the day when the Chancellor Rick Noby was involved in the naming of the original team. You know, he's going to be on the show Tuesday. <coughs> yeah, uh Rick Noby, former host of this time slot is going to be in studio. I think I think we're just going to bring him in as like a co-host. So he can make his smart aleck comments the whole time. That'll be fun for everybody. Good times. <laughs> we just won't have any other guests. It'll just be Rick the whole time. Rick and I and Dan just talking for two hours. <laughs> I don't think that'll go so well. Uh, it's a big weekend, as I said. Um, you know, uh, patronize your local merchants wherever possible. Head downtown. It's a great experience. There's also a big SDSU football game this weekend uh, against number one ranked James Madison. I'm throwing a bone to my SDSU friends, my Jackrabbit friends. That game is broadcast on ESPNU if you want to catch that. It's down somewhere in Virginia. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I'm hoping to be outside as much as possible because it's going to be nice. It's Harrisonburg, Virginia, sure. by the way. Wherever that is. Yes, wherever it is. <laughs> I, I had to remember it because it's close to Harrisburg, so it's Harrisonburg, yeah. Harrisonburg. Virginia. I wonder how many times uh, the radio announcers will mess that up. Harrisonburg. Oh no, no. Tyler's a good egg. Okay. I, he'll he'll get it he'll right. Be all right. Yeah. All right. Um, so I'm going to be outside. I'm going to try and there's a bike ride in the morning that's adventure. I'm going to try and get out on that and just get outside and breathe, breathe that fresh air. That's what you got to do this weekend, people, because it won't last. You know that. It won't last. We've got a great show for you today. Our guests include Fran Seppler. She is an expert on sexual harassment and assault in the workplace. And she's uh, uh, from the Twin Cities, and she's got a a company up there. But she also works with South Dakota companies. And we'll talk about, you know, in in the current atmosphere, what sexual harassment in the workplace really looks like. Uh, The Buffalo Maiden will check in from the Black Hills Bureau for Weird Friends. We'll get an update on the fires. It sounds like they got them beaten down pretty good, but it was a big fire. Emmett Kaiser, regional supervisor for the Game Fish and Parks, will be in for a weekly update from the outdoor campus. Uh, uh, Thea Miller-Ryan is out, so uh, Emmett's going to fill in for her. We'll talk about pheasant hunting and how that's all going, the bird counts and such. Uh, Alyssa Boyson with the Siouxland Public Libraries will tell us about Libraries Rock, music at the library. That'll be fun. And we'll have the P&L statement just after the break. Today's topic, uh, I got a stupid man update, a little tax cuts, a little Trump. But, uh, you know, local economy. That's all coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. 317 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. And we'll attempt to get just a little closer to free, a little closer to liberty, a little closer to freedom, a little closer to civil and human rights here on the PNL statement. At least we'll talk about it. 
Uh, coming up, let's see, stupid man update. Got to do a stupid man update. I kind of skipped it yesterday. I thought it was fading away, but it's not. Uh, so Dustin Hoffman today is today's stupid man. So he, uh, a playwright who says Dustin Hoffman exposed himself to her and her had her massage his feet in a hotel room when she was 16, said Friday that she spent years in guilty silence and took pains not to dress suggestively in professional contexts because she assumed the incident was her fault. Playwright Corey Thompson was a classmate of Hoffman's daughter in 1980 when she says she met the actor who invited her to his New York hotel room to wait for her mother after dinner with the teenagers. And after his daughter left, Hoffman went to take a shower. Why is there always somebody going to take a shower in these things? That should be like the alarm bell. I'm just going to take a shower. Boop, boop, boop. Stupid man, stupid man, stupid man. I was just sitting there waiting for my parents. He came out of the bathroom and had a towel around him. And at first it was, hmm, this is kind of weird, Thomas, now 53, said. And then he dropped the towel. And I think I just, I had never seen a naked man. I had never kissed a man. So that's what she told the Associated Press. Um, so it's this is not the first uh, uh, accusation against Mr. Hoffman, the 80-year-old Oscar winner. He did not return email messages seeking comment. He has said before, uh, after a uh, similar uh, accusation, that this is not reflective of who I am. So that's today's stupid man. Uh, so you heard in the top of the news, they got Rubio on board on this tax cut deal by, uh, you know, giving him a little candy there, a little little increase in the child tax, the child care tax cut credit. Sorry, child care tax credit up to two grand instead of eleven hundred. Um. They uh, got uh, they got uh, Corker on board by black magic somehow uh, because he didn't want to increase the deficit. Well, it's going to increase the deficit. I don't. There's no way out of that. He's been assured that the business tax cuts will make up for the 1.5 trillion dollars. Uh, he just there's no way he could vote against it. Uh, now they need to see if they can get McCain to the floor. That's that could be an issue. But I you know odds are they'll get it. And as I said uh, yesterday, then they own it. Uh, Trump and the FBI. So Trump went off on the FBI uh, yesterday and uh, basically saying, we're going to fix the FBI. It's terrible. Uh, it's terrible because uh, he says they botched the investigation into the Hillary Clinton emails. Even though I think it was Comey's reopening the investigation that probably cost Hillary some votes and a lot of other things, but that was one of them. Uh, the, the thing about this is it's it's just it's transparent uh, effort to undermine this investigation into the Russian interference in the election and whatever collusion may or may not have existed. Uh, it's it's just it's so transparent because it's clearly concerted. The talking points are overwhelming here. Just listen to the Trump apologists in media and politics. They're all using the same talking points, including people on this station. For the record, I get no talking points from nobody. We are This is a talking point-free zone. Thank God. Uh, but I want to talk about local economy. So this broke yesterday, uh, maybe the day before, that uh, Sioux Falls has set another building record, building permits for the fifth consecutive year. Permits grew year over year, totaling $720.3 million by the afternoon of December 13th. It's the 15th now. So 
In 2016, it was 702 million. Uh, the, of course, there. Uh, this is from uh, Jody Schwan over at Sioux Falls Business. Uh, she says Avera and Louise pushed 2017 over the top with a permit issued for 24 million dollars in construction valuation related to the shell of the first building over there. The 82-acre campus eventually will include 174 million dollars worth of projects and is slated to open in early 2020. This year's record was also driven in part by the continued strong demand for housing. So far in 2017, permits have been issued for 745 new single-family homes, as well as 1,222 multiple-family units and 422 townhome units. That's a lot. That is a lot, lot, lot of homes. And we're still way short. We are squeezed on housing. Um you know, what does this all mean? You know, it's gone up five years in a row. It It is a lot about just steady population growth um, in housing that pushes us up. Uh, but, you know, that can dip, uh, has dipped, will dip. Um, but it's also these big projects like Avera that push that number up every year. When you get, you know, 24 and $30 million building permits, that really starts to move the needle. And uh, particularly when they're multi-year jobs like, like the Avera Hospital, the big ones. So, you know, it's it, it's a good sign. You know, I don't know that building permits are the ultimate arbiter of, of whether or not you're in a good economy or not because, you know, they can go down and they do go down, um, particularly when there's not a year with a big, big project in it. Um, so, you know, I think it's good news. It's good that our community continues to work together in large measure, the business and government and uh, developers and uh, trying to continue to feed the construction industry in particular because those are good jobs, uh, whether it's carpenters or uh, plumbers and electricians and, uh, you know, concrete and, and roofers and siders and everybody. There's a lot of people that work on any given house or, you know, hotel project or uh, apartment project or townhomes, and we're seeing those go up you know, one right after another. My concern, and it's it's not really a concern about the building permits, it's more of a concern about how we use the land, uh, our density of population, and how we are going to deal with that density or lack thereof. Uh, because one of the things that I've talked about on this show, and we've had planners in here telling us this directly, I don't make these things up, growth doesn't pay for itself. So just because you're adding uh, 750 new homes doesn't mean that it's uh, paying for every piece of what it costs the city to put those homes there. And uh, we've had people on this program say, you know, the, the developers pay for the, uh, the, 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 the streets inside the development, but the city pays for arterials. And that's true. But there's just there's a lot that goes into expansion like that. Physical, spatial expansion, whether they're roads or police, fire, uh, all of it, it all adds up. And growth is good. Growth is vital. Growth is necessary. It is evidence of a, a thriving community. That's all true. But how we manage that growth is very important. And just going out, 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 out isn't always the best idea. Sometimes Redevelopment is important. Sometimes higher density housing is important. 
making sure that you have mixed income housing is important. And those are the pitfalls we have to watch for in the long term. But really good news out of City Hall this week. That's the bottom line on the PL statement for today. Agree or disagree with me, you can reach me by email, patrick at ksoo.com. Get on our Twitter feed, fire back at me if you want, at P. Lally Show. Uber producer Dan Peters is in there monitoring the Twitter feed at all times. I really like hearing from you people. You're good people. I like you. Coming up after the break, it's Weird Friends with the Buffalo Maiden. We're going to talk fire. Fire in the hills. Fire on the mountain, lightning in the air. I better stop doing that. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. 334 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. And it's time for Weird Friends. And since we're listening to Sister Golden Hair, well, I tried to make that must it mean Sunday, that it's the Buffalo Maiden checking in from the Black Hills Bureau in beautiful downtown Custer, where they have been, uh, you know, next to the what is now the third largest fire in Black Hills history. Do I have that right, Buffalo Maiden? I believe you have that right, yes. I mean, we are uh, Custer. Everybody knows about Custer State Park now. We've been on every... News station, newspaper, uh, it's, it's, uh, it, it was a big deal. It, it is a big deal. And it's so, about 55,000 acres, which they equate to the size of uh, uh, Seattle. I don't know why they say Seattle, but they pick Seattle. <laughs> that was the closest. Because like, <laughs> uh, everybody knows how big Seattle is. Yeah, I, I don't <laughs> know how big Seattle is. That's a lot, it's though. It's huge. It's a lot of grass. It's a lot. It's a lot. Well, and it's a lot of uh, undergrowth, is what we're hoping. Um, I, they did say it's still at fifty percent contained, meaning that they are busy mopping up. Which it's so interesting to me when something like this happens. You learn a whole new vocabulary of words. Like, um, you know, we have some helicopters still here on recon, recon, <laughs> reconnaissance, or yeah. something. Um, they sent the, the bombers away, though. And uh, and I think a, a lot of the firefighters that have come from other places have left now. Yeah, I think the Sioux Falls firefighters are, are headed back. And I saw trucks from um, New Mexico, uh, you know, all over. Like, yeah, East River. But, um, yeah, they came from all over. It was, it was amazing. Did it, uh, uh, did it affect your business? I mean, did people stay away? Did they end up with more people because there were just people in town fighting the fire and all that? Well, the firefighters, um, you know, are pretty well... Yeah. Uh, taken care of, which is awesome. And and the people on the other uh, Hermosa side, you know, the park is closed, so we can't get to Highway 79. So uh, the people on the Hermosa side was really where the Red Cross and, and the relief was all set up because that was where it was heading towards more. There's more houses on that side. They were able to obviously keep all the lodges intact, and so there was no damage, which is awesome yeah. there. Uh, you know, and, and they're finding more and more of the animals, which is... Is also a uh, you know a huge blessing to to know. Um, I'm sure they're also going to find some that didn't make it. Yeah, but, but the bison uh, herd seems to have done pretty well. But you'd expect that from bison; they're hardy. Yes, in fact, I just talked to my buffalo rancher, and he said, "Don't worry, they run; they know where to go." But I, I do believe that some were, you know, uh, there is a fence around the park. So once I got the fence open, I think uh, there's some free roaming going on Uh-oh. now. 
I hear we're having an impromptu Buffalo Roundup. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, that seems bad. Which is, uh, I'm sure the cattle ranchers are going to be excited about that. So, yeah. Um, well, don't, you know, don't go near the bison if, unless you're a professional. It's the burrows, man. It's the burrows that we're all sad about right now because I don't know if they were if they all were successful in getting out. The burrows were just sitting there waiting for a car to come along to give them food. I know. Because that's, that's all they the problem. do. Like, they took all the cars away. Um, so, yeah, so... But every day is a better day. We didn't see any smoke rising. Uh, it, it was, um, you know, you're awestruck by it. The, the visions and the, the pictures and the, it was, it's incredible to see. And then yet it's so devastating to, you know, to actually witness, eyewitness. So. Yeah, I saw some video from at night, which is always stunning. Yeah, and Paul Hurston, watch his website because he was out uh, and, oh, was and he? he said he'll be putting up some, some good sites and, um, yeah, Paul's going to be so on the show. Awesome. He's, yeah, next week. He's, he's an amazing interview. He might have to take my spot. Did you hear about the uh, the idiot, though, that got the, the ticket on uh, Tuesday night? Is this the guy Tuesday who hooked, hooked, a, hooked a butt? Uh, his cigar. Um, okay, so this is a semi-driver, Chucker, coming up because he had gotten rerouted. He didn't realize why he got rerouted. Driving along 4 a.m. in the morning, and behind him is a local fire marshal you know, going home from what, spending a whole night out. Oh, my. And uh, this guy throws something out his window and uh, in front of the fire marshal, burning. It's on fire! <laughs> it's on fire! So he, of course, uh, makes contact with the uh, highway patrol. Oh, my. Blah, blah, blah. They pull him over. It might not have been, in his words, the most professional confrontation, but I don't believe this young uh, man will ever be throwing anything out his window ever again. Oh my uh, gosh! I mean, there's a, he, he said, "I don't, I didn't, I didn't know why I was being rerouted." Uh, <laughs> oh, so it's okay to huck a butt, you know? Yeah, you know, if so there's, there's not a fire you know, burning at that point, thirty-five thousand acres burning for, uh, and you can't see that. The but, world is uh, not your ashtray. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Cal, it just, it just, it's humbling to, and it's, it's infuriating in the same. In the same breath. So it, it's not. Anyways, on the same. I hope it's a cleansing. We are all hopeful that this is a part cleansing. Yeah. Well, it's, it is nature's way. It is except totally. for the and tree falling on the power line, but fire is nature's way. Yeah, that's right. Right. Or the trucker hucking uh, the butt. You, yeah. you know, uh, I was going to say about the the butt hucking that it's not on the same scale, but it always freaks me out when I'm driving or, you know, even riding my bike, but driving and somebody in front of me, especially at night, hucks a butt because it comes flying yeah. right back at you, goes bouncing under you. Yeah. You don't know. I mean, I, I know it's not going to start me on fire. Okay. I know that, but it still freaks me out and makes me think I might get started on fire. You know what I'm well, saying? You got to keep those, uh, get those license plates number and start calling them in because there is a citation and there is a fine. So, yeah. um, I'm not a it's fire marshal. Yeah. yeah, I don't have the right, authority. Yeah. I, I hold no well, uh, moral or legal authority to do that. But you're a citizen. You could uh, just ride mm -hmm. faster and speed up alongside them. Yeah, that, <laughs> just start waving faster. my hands. <laughs> yeah, no that kidding. Would be outstanding. But you're okay. Everything's all right in Custer, so that's everything's good. okay. Custer never got smoke. We never got. I, you know, we just saw the trucks and the logging trucks. Oh my goodness. The logging trucks were in there hurrying up to get their uh, their work done, um, what they had already cut. So oh, really? the logging trucks were amazing, and the fire trucks were amazing, and um, it just seems that the people have worked so hard, and 
and it sounds, uh, you know, to save the park was uh, a pretty valiant effort on everyone's part. So, um, so yeah, so now we just hope for a lot of snow and a lot of rain so we get a beautiful spring. Yeah, it'll, it'll rejuvenate. It'll be a great season for hunting mushrooms, for sure. <laughs> I look forward to that. <laughs> well, you'll, you'll have to take me mushroom hunting. I've never done that. Yeah. Is that a thing? Yeah. Do you do that? It's a thing when you, uh, after a fire, it's a huge, uh, usually you're very successful, depending upon how much moisture you have. But yeah. Me. I did not know this. Chantrells and morels, yep. And then we you go back get out and we... More. You're just stuck there in that Sioux Falls. You people do, what do you do? Just drive around on the concrete and... I go to high and, uh Go to high V and buy your mushrooms <laughs> or the co-op. Or the co-op. I do go to, to the co-op. We have to fight and fend for our food out here. I, I understand. The trucks don't get in often. They're dropping right. it like they, when they're not dropping water on the fires, they're dropping food into the enclaves. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. Well, that'll be yeah. fun. We'll go mushroom hunting, then we'll saute them up a little bit with some garlic and olive oil, and then we'll drink a little white wine. It'll be a lovely day. Yes, it'll be very nice. Yeah. I'll hold my breath. Cool. Well, oh, wait, thank, that's for other reasons. Thanks for the okay. update, Buffalo Maiden. Yes, thank you. Coming up after the break, we're going to talk to Emmett Kaiser with the Game Fish and Parks Department and uh, get our outdoor campus update for the week. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. 345 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. We are getting into this, the mood of the season. We got the spirit of the season. Little uh, Brian Setzer Orchestra there. Boogie Woogie Santa Claus. If I'm going to play, if I'm going to play Christmas music, I'm going to play, you know, Brian Setzer and the like. I said this yesterday. No, there's not going to be any Burl Ives on this program. There's no, uh, no Perry Como or whomever. Uh, we are happy. We're not going to talk about Christmas music, though. We're here to talk about outdoors. And we have in the studio Mr. Emmett Kaiser, Regional Supervisor for the Department of Game, Fish, and Parks for the state of South Dakota. Well, that, that's something else. That is a pretty good title there, That's Emmett. kind of a mouthful, isn't it, Patrick? Well, it must be, you must be a very important guy. Um, not really. Oh, come on I'm now. just a guy. Just a guy. <laughs> just a guy working for the state. Yeah, trying um, to make a living. So what do you do? I oversee our uh, southeast uh, region. It's called Region 3 down here in the southeast corner. There's about 20 counties. Uh, all of our staff uh, that work in the areas of uh, law enforcement, fish and wildlife management, and, and uh, um, our habitat staff, wildlife damage staff. So I, uh, I don't oversee the outdoor campus staff. Those uh, are Thea's uh, folks, and uh, we do work very closely with, the, of course, Thea's folks. And so you're kind of the big boss over here. Yeah. Yeah. When it's been about 25 years in Pierre. I, I uh, was the assistant director out there, so came down here with our family. And oh, that's good. I'm enjoying the little uh, slower pace of life. <laughs> Actually, it's a little quicker <laughs> down here than, than Pierre, but the job yeah. itself is a yeah. little slower pace. Well, that's so. good. Well, yeah. anytime you can get out of here, it's a it doesn't the, the titles don't matter the the pay doesn't if you can get out of here it's an upgrade. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Although I do miss the hunting and fishing oh, out okay. there. Some well, of the I'll best allow you the, that. I'll allow you that. Some of the best in the world. Um, so uh, we brought you in 
one, usually Thea's here, Thea Miller-Ryan. She's the director of the outdoor campus, but she always brings people with her. Yeah. She's not in, she's not in today, so she just sent you in her place, which is fine. I'm, I'm the old substitute, uh, kind of second string, it nope. looks like. We like seeing you, Emmett. <laughs> we like seeing you. Uh, but we thought we'd talk a little bit about pheasant hunting because, uh, of course, there's always the big ballyhoo when the opener comes and, you know, 18 guys from Georgia show up and, you know, all those, that, that deal. But... Now you get past Thanksgiving. This is like the real pheasant season, right? That's that's when the, uh, the the real hunters get out there and uh, chase those birds. It is uh, the best time of year, in my opinion. Um, the only unfortunate thing is it'd be nice to have a little bit of snow on the ground. You know, three, four, five inches of snow just for tracking snow, and got to have a little better idea where those birds are hanging out. You know, when you can see some tracks around some of these small wetlands and stuff. But um, most of the hunters are pretty seasoned enough. They know they know that grass cover and those. Uh, Cattail sloughs and, and some of that deep cover of those birds head this time of year. And, and uh, it's really some of the best hunting opportunity. You know, they got the crops out of the field and harvest is done. The landowners are kind of kicking back a little mm-hmm. bit, uh, tidying up their machinery and putting it away for the winter. And uh, most of the time they uh, they don't have hunters. They're uh, happy to let you on their, their place if you ask, of course. And Do you think that the, you know, there's been a lot of conversation over the last two decades, really, about access to uh, land and the state has done quite a lot to increase access to public lands. Um, do you think that the, that notion of being able to go up and ask if you can go on the land actually does get better as the season after, I mean, when it becomes mostly locals? It does. It does. And, and uh, you know, I, I know, uh, you know, talking with lots of our landowners throughout the year, you know, they, uh, they, they are asked a lot and, and of course they're busy during the fall uh, harvest time and, this uh, this year's harvest really extended a lot later than you know most most years uh, just because of the weather and and so forth. But um, yeah, they uh, they have friends and family and uh, you know folks that traditionally come and hunt other places and uh, you know like I say they uh, they get tied up with other kinds of chores and you know I think later in the season I think they're actually happy to see folks show up and uh, get you know, lonely. <laughs> yeah, and they know uh, and they know those are the kind of good hunters that are you know they're uh, they're out there for the the sport and, and, uh, you know, they're just down out to, to shoot a couple of quick birds there. They're working hard and, uh, but it is, you know, in my opinion, one of the best times of the year to go hunting. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, was out, um, riding and sort of, uh, would probably be Lincoln County, rural Lincoln County along the river, uh, last weekend on Saturday. And there were a, a lot of hunters out there. Was there good? Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of, we went past a few public access areas and different things that are out along the river there. And, there were people everywhere, so Good. but it was a beautiful day. Yeah, and that's you know this afternoon as I came in, uh, really uh, it's going to be a great sunset this evening, and uh, you know another uh, end of a great uh, great week. But you know it's a great opportunity this time of year for folks to get out and hit some of those small wetland areas. Um, if you got a hunting dog, it's especially uh, fun because you can wade into some of those uh, smaller cattail sloughs mm-hmm. with uh, you know two, three, four, five guys and. Try and surround a little bit. You know, the birds are going to be a little more wily. But um, when those birds get in that deep cattail cover, they're going to hold. And those uh, those bird dogs, you just got to give them the time to work. and They'll find them. A lot of times what I tell people is uh, don't walk too fast through those cattail sloughs. You know, take about uh, 10 feet at a time and stop and uh, wait about 30 seconds. You know, if you got a dog working around you, wait a couple minutes. And, uh, you know, you can take your time and uh, let those dogs really work on that scent down in that uh, that heavy cover. We're talking with Emmett Kaiser. He is the regional supervisor for the Game Fishing Parks. We're just talking a little bit about pheasant hunting, late season pheasant hunting. 
Uh, the season goes through the end of the year, right? Actually, into January. January 7th is the closing uh, of the uh, pheasant season. And a uh, nice, uh, nice little after Christmas opportunity after the New Year's. And uh, really want to encourage people to take advantage of these last uh, last days. Uh, a lot of times the college kids show up, they come home, and they're looking for something to do during the day. and Make them go stomp around. Yeah, they go stomp around, <laughs> wear off a little energy. And uh, same with the high school kids. It's uh Great opportunity, and, and of course, if you've got non-resident uh, uh, kids, you know, grand grandkids, especially coming home, uh, they uh, they can also buy a license, and that license now this is the start of our 20, 2018 license year today. Oh, so you so can... they can buy a license today. The uh, non-resident youth license is valid for two five-day periods, so they could hunt five days, you know, as their home here in South Dakota for uh, the holidays and then come back next fall and hunt the second five days on their license. So what's a non-resident license go for these days for youth, the youth hunters, it's $10. Well, that's nothing. That's nothing. But we built the, we built the adults, don't we? The non-resident adults, uh, we hit them pretty hard. $121, two two five day periods. And, and, uh, you know, it's a pretty good chunk of change, but it's still pretty good bargain. That's uh, chump change for those guys though. I think we should ratchet that up a little more. Come on, man. Let's yeah, put the boots hear, to those non-resident guys. We hear that from some of our resident hunters. But, uh, you know, I think it's important to, you know, because a lot of these folks that are coming back, they are, uh, you know, South Dakota residents formally and their relatives. They moved away. They made a choice. They did. They <laughs> did. The rest of us that stay here. That's why we got that cheaper license. <laughs> what is the resident then? Resident is a lot less. You know, if you want to buy a combination license, uh, you, you can get that uh, picked up for $55. That includes both your small game and, and fishing uh, uh, you can get a small game license actually oh, man, for just thirty-three dollars. So yeah, that's a pretty good bargain for lots of days of uh, opportunity out there. You really have kept the prices pretty low for residents, and we do that. Our commission, uh, you know, revisits periodically those license fees, and and uh, you know, our staff are pretty sensitive to you know not trying to price ourselves out of the market. We mm-hmm. really try to look around at the neighboring states and see what uh, kind of prices they placed on there. Well, it's providing a service at some right. measure, and then the expertise of conservation. Right. We utilize those funds to um, have for habitat management on our public lands. We use them for conservation law enforcement officers, uh, for research, for management, uh, doing all of our surveys, you know, de- uh, research uh, on, on deer, pheasants, waterfowl, uh, all those kinds of things. So those dollars are really important to us. Quickly, if I want to go uh, do some hunting, pheasant hunting, uh, in the next couple of weeks, where should I go? What's is, Are there some p- better places as the season progresses yeah and i you know i mentioned the uh looking for some of that heavy cover you know whether it's on private land or public land but uh, just had uh sand lake refuge actually opened up here this last monday that uh, area up at sand lake uh, normally is closed of course it's one of the uh, waterfowl migration meccas in our state that uh, season on, on sand lake runs from the 11th through the 7th renzi housing game production area up there in uh, brown and marshall county is also open as is gherkin game bird refuge in Falk county and then White Lake uh, Game Bird Refuge up yeah. in Marshall County. So a there's some areas that were previously closed for the season just opened up. So see those birds up there; they think you got a good. They probably do. But, uh, <laughs> you know, my pick. I, I'd uh, head west to Sioux Falls and uh, try and uh, pick up some of those we call them conservation reserve or crep areas out there west of Sioux Falls. So outstanding. Uh, Emmett Kaiser, regional supervisor for the Game Fishing Parks, updating us on the late season pheasant uh, opportunities. Thanks for coming in, Emmett. You bet. Great to see you, Patrick. We're coming right back. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. 358 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Creeks 
Clearwater Revival. Fortunate son. Hey everybody, coming up this weekend, Saturday and Sunday, Holiday Jam with the Hag Brothers, 7.30 at the Washington Pavilion on Saturday. Proceeds benefit the Doherty Hospice House. And on Sunday, it's at the Orpheum Holiday Tradition, and those proceeds go towards the Lifescape Center for the Arts. Coming up after the hour, we're going to have the weather with the KDLT on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Four fourteen on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. And if uh, if you know me, you know I like to read, and I like libraries, and I like music. So this next segment was basically made for me. No, I'm kidding. We've got Alicia Alicia Boyson in the studio with us today. She's from Siouxland Public Libraries, and they have this deal going on starting today called Libraries Rock Music at the Library. And Alicia is going to tell us all about it. Alicia, thanks for coming in. Hey, I'm excited to be here. It's always great when I can see people face to face. So uh, libraries rock. Of course they do. Right, right. right. Um, so what we are doing, kind of like you mentioned, is we're kicking off our winter reading program today. And with... With that, um, people we encourage people to come into the library. We've got lots of extra programming going on for people to participate. And then we have a fun bingo program that we're doing. So based on your age, we've got a bingo card for you and different tasks on the bingo card for you to complete. And like then, sweeping up the place, that sort of thing? Right, yeah, like uh, reshelving books. Yeah. No, that would work, <laughs> Or right? maybe like checking out books or checking out our music collection that we have. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, so then once you complete um, the bingo on the card, we have some really cool prizes for you. Um, we partner with some different places in town, like um, the Stampede or the Sky Force for some free coupons. We have books that we're giving away for pe- to people who um, complete that bingo. And so um, some of our readers are really avid readers, and they Mm -hmm. may complete the bingo right away. Um, So we have a little something from them where they can do the blackout. So if they want to keep going, complete all the tasks on the bingo card, they'd be able to get the blackout. And if you get a blackout on the bingo card between now and February 28th, when our um, winter reading program ends, your name will go into a drawing for some prize baskets that we have. So... It's not like you're not really left up to chance here. It's not like you're drawing something out of it and you can just mow through those activities however fast you want, right? Right, yeah. Um, so if you are a very avid reader and you get your bingo right away, come on down to the library and we got some prizes for you. If you want to keep going, chance at an even better prize, we've got some prize drawings that we're doing at the end of the winter reading program. Could one of the prizes be to work off like 10 bucks in fines? Is that on there at all? That's a good idea, but no, that's not one of our, you know, our customers are awesome. They never return their stuff late. They never get late fees. So, um, so then we know we didn't even think about that. I I think I, (laughs) I think I know the, the exception to the rule. Oh, okay. (laughs) We're not going to name names, but I I was seeing this as a good opportunity to maybe, you know, work down that, uh, that total yeah Yeah. no the balance as we like to say yeah no nothing for the getting the uh the old late fees paid down a little bit but um 
Every November, we do have a program for that. And we just wrapped that up called Food for Fines. So you just missed out on a great way to work down your mm. late fees. How did I not know about this? <laughs> for next year. Look for next year. So you bring it. like canned goods and stuff? Yeah. So for oh. every uh, food donation you make to the library, you would have gotten some money taken off your library card. And it goes all to the Feeding South Dakota. So oh, that's every cool. November. I sure hope there's certain people out there listening to this program who will take advantage of that and maybe mark their calendar for next November. Yeah. Um, back to uh, <laughs> Libraries Rock, music at the library. So yeah. this is really, this is a multi-stage uh, sort of reading uh, exercise. Uh, you, you know, you're, it's the winter reading uh, adventure, but you're integrating music into this. How are you doing that? Yeah, so one of the really fun programs that I'm looking forward to is the open mic night that we're doing. So we have some of the fun things like that going on. Um, we have some stuff for our, our our little readers where we're doing special story times where they'll be mu- it'll be a music based story time, so they can come have fun dancing and singing and maybe even playing a few. Um, Homemade instruments that they yeah. can make themselves. That's so. kind of kind of sounds like this show: singing, dancing, homemade instruments. <laughs> it's just another day on the Patrick Lally show. No, so if you come to one of those activities, the kids get to like something off on their card. Is that how that works? Yeah. So oh, cool. one of the some of them are you know attend a library program. So there's actually you know you don't actually have to sit down and read a novel. Mm. You may be like it's. It's the holiday time. How am I ever going to get any of this stuff accomplished? Well, there's a lot of a variety of some things take not very long at all. Some things take, you know, a little bit longer to do. And some of them are just, hey, come see us. Ask a librarian for a book recommendation. We love giving book recommendations. We love talking to our customers. So this is an easy way for you to come in and kind of check off one of the boxes on the sheet, too. Outstanding. We're here with Alicia Boyson. And she is with the Siouxland Public Libraries, and we're talking about libraries rock music at the library. Uh, so is this every library in the system? Yeah, so if people aren't quite familiar with what Siouxland Libraries is, is we're the public library here in Sioux Falls and Minnehaha County. So if people live in the city limits of Sioux Falls or anywhere in Minnehaha County, with the exception of the city limits of Del Rapids, it's a free public library for them to get a library card at. Um, we like to do some of these kind of fun, interactive things to get um, people in and kind of experiencing some of the things they might not realize we have. Like you said, is our theme is Library Rocks. It's based around music. The library has a variety of music CDs to check out, as well as we have a variety of downloadable services that we offer. So we have um, music and audio and um, ebooks mm-hmm. available for download as well. And so, we and that's a great program. Yeah. I don't think people know much about the download program. Mm-hmm. It really is really cool because you can get books on your reader, your tablet, what have you. Mm-hmm. And it it works slick, doesn't it? Right. And it's it's especially great for people who maybe um, live in one of our smaller communities where we have limited library hours. You can really visit the library 24 hours a day, seven days a week with these type of services that um, we offer. Where do I find that online? So if you go to our website, SiouxlandLIB.org, um, right on the homepage there, we have a link to all of our e- and downloadable resources that we have. And it takes you to the listing of about a half a dozen different resources that we have for um, downloading. Oh, cool. That's come a, the system has come a long ways too since the first when you, when the library first started having started having downloadable books. 
the system, the technology's come so far that now it's just snap, snap. Oh yeah, it, I mean, I remember when we first had eBooks, and it was you know you download it to your computer, then you plug in your device, and then you transfer it over. Now it's like you have an app on your smart mm-hmm. device, and in a matter of seconds. Sometimes I like check out the book before I even and have it downloaded. I'm like, oh oh my god, it's already downloaded. I didn't even realize I was. It just happened so quickly and so seamlessly and easy that you know, really anybody um, with a smart device can get stuff at their home. Uh, back to Library Rocks for a minute. Is this, are you playing off Schoolhouse Rocks? Can we, can you like sing those songs and stuff? Uh, I'm just a bill. <laughs> I'm only a bill. You can integrate that in there. That would be cool. It would, but yeah, no, um, actually Library Rocks is a national oh, okay. um, campaign that we've um, subscribed to. That's cool. Uh, tell me about this. You, you mentioned open mic night because- I got about 10 minutes of strong stand-up I could do. Is that, is that an option? I mean, it's, it's music, but, you know. Yeah, no, it's really open to anyone's talent. So if you um, are a poet and you want to come and read a poem, if you're a musician and you want to come and sing or play your instrument, or if you're a comedian and you want to come mm-hmm. up and do a and little act, it's very open to anyone and their talents. Liturgical dance, that's sort of Right, yeah. That would be great. And where is this now? This is at the um, Remedy Brewing Company. Oh, it's um, not in the library. No, we're partnering with some outside resources, um, kind of getting outside of our walls a little bit too and spreading the word. Um, so the Remedy's downtown, so kind of in our, our neighborhood if yep. you're uh, regular and, to downtown. Eighth and Railroad yep. Center. Yep. Yeah, yeah, great place. Um, we look forward to partnering with them and, and getting outside our walls a little bit on this one. I'm sure they're looking forward to my 10 minutes of stand-up. <laughs> <laughs> and your other talents that you may bring with you. A tuba. Yeah. <laughs> a little, uh, a so, you know, a tuba solo. Yeah, I'll bring my clarinet and it'll be quite a band. Yeah, now we're talking. <laughs> this is this is coming together nicely. What do we win for this? I mean, if open mic night is just like, is there like a contest or what's the deal with that? Just the opportunity to uh, demonstrate my talents. Yeah, just getting in there demonstrating your talents and um, really open to all ages as well. So um, a, kind of a fun, a night out. That sounds great. And when is open mic night again? It is on uh, February, or excuse me, January 5th, starting at 630 and it goes till 930. January 5th. That's perfect because after New Year's, you got yeah. nothing to do. Yeah. Or you might get a great Christmas present that you could incorporate into your talent. Show. <laughs> <laughs> that that that's just taking a turn. <laughs> let's let's not think about that. Um, so uh, you know, you were talking about. You said something about Del Rapids. Does Del Rapids is a holdout in the in the public library system. Is that what I'm they, hearing? They have their own library in town. That when we merged, um, Siouxland Libraries merged with Minnehaha County and Sioux Falls merged in 1995, and at that time they had opted not to um, merge with the rest of the county. And so that's the kind of exception to the rule when you're talking about Minnehaha County and the communities within there that are part of Siouxland. Splitters. <laughs> Del Rapids is a bunch of splitters. Get on board, Del Rapids. See now, well, you know, but the the folks in Del Rapids, they can still because they're they're residents of Minnehaha County, they can still use the Minnehaha public libraries, right? No, they, they if they live huh? in the city limits of Dells, they, they would have more? to they would have to subscribe by, by buying the membership to Siouxland Libraries. Oh my! So it's the folks inside the city limits of Del Rapids. Now, if you live a mile outside of town and you just happen to have a Del Rapids address, then you're okay. You're still you can come and get one for free. But they can't come and uh, they can't come to open mic night. They're out, right? They, no, we don't want to see any Del Rapian 
rapididians at the uh, open mic net because you people are splitters. We do not um, card at our, <laughs> any of our programs. So if you don't have a library card, we welcome everyone at our at our library programs. Do me a favor and quickly run through the details of Library Rocks Music at the Library. This is the winter reading program for the Siouxland Public yep. Library. So How do I get involved? So it started today. So you can go to any Siouxland Library's location and pick up your bingo card. Or if you're kind of one of those ebook um, downloadable folks and don't get into the library very much, um, go to our website. SiouxlandLIB.org. Our bingo cards are on there. You can participate pretty oh, much cool. 100% online if you want. And then you just have to come and stop in once you have your bingo, which can be diagonal, straight across, up and down, um, and then pick up your prizes. And then if you want to keep going to get into those kind of grand prize drawings, um, you can complete a blackout bingo until February 28th to be into those prize drawings. It sounds like fun. Alicia Boyson, thank you for coming in and talking with us today about the Siouxland Public Library's Library Rocks program. Hey, thanks for having me. It was fun. Coming up after the break, we're going to talk with Fran Seppler. She is an expert in uh, workplace sexual harassment and assault, and we're going to find out just what you need to know about keeping your workplace up and above board. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 433 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we've been talking on this program for weeks now about uh, the, well, the stupid man updates and the issues of sexual inappropriate behavior in the workplace and in politics and in media and everywhere else. Uh, and so we thought, you know, let's get somebody on the show who actually knows what they're talking about in terms of what is appropriate, what is actionable, and what you should worry about and espouse in your workplace. And so we have Fran Seppler on the phone. Fran's up in the Twin Cities, and she is a human resources, I'm sorry, human relations consultant. She works on all kinds of issues regarding uh, human relations and uh, the workplace, and uh, she has a firm called Seppler & Associates. And Fran, thank you for taking a few minutes to help us out here. Uh, hold on a minute. There. Fran, are you there? I am. Thanks there. for having me, Patrick. Uh, I appreciate you uh, taking a, f a, few time, a few minutes to chat with us on this issue. Uh, first of all, um, as a, you've been working in this area for 30 years. Uh, you do employment investigations. You've uh, got all kinds of methods that are for uh, employers working with companies to make sure they're on solid ground. Is that, is that basically correct? Yes, that's correct. So with all the stuff that's going on in the news in terms of, you know, whether it's media, politics, uh, entertainment, a lot of it is essentially the same workplace behavior that you deal with, whether it's an accounting firm or, uh, you know, a TV station. I mean, do the, is it basically that the people in media or politics just don't understand that there are boundaries in the workplace? Well, you know, there, when we talk about the array of things that people do to, be, to engage in sexual misconduct, you know, there's a, there's a wide array. And I kind of say that there's three kinds of sexual misconduct. There's the bumblers. There's just the people who are clueless and socially inept, and they do stupid things. And when you tell them, they're mortified and embarrassed, and they try and fix it. And then you've got kind of the habitual harassers who just have been behaving like jerks for years and years, 
and they take advantage of people and nobody really tells them to stop and it gets bad. And then you've got the third kind, which are the really predatory power-based uh, harassers. And those are the ones who tend to gravitate into positions where they can have a lot of power over people and they can control people's futures. And they've always been the toughest ones to uh, to sort of get out into the open because people were so scared. And so what we're seeing is this layer of misbehavior that has been, um, has been a, a pretty dark secret in certain industries for a long time. There are some industries where you just don't have superstars. Um, and, and because of that, you don't, you know, you don't have superstars in manufacturing. You don't have superstars in retail. But in, Hollywood and in politics and I dare say like in law and medicine you do have these incredible superstars who've been able to get away with this for a long time and now they now we're talking about it so that's what I see happening what do you think then has changed in terms of uh, obviously a lot of people are getting taken down and there's uh, is the fear just being um, stripped back because people now feel comfortable knowing that they're there's somebody going to back them at some measure that the public is watching and that, uh, you know, that media outlets care and everybody now thinks, well, that's bad behavior. What's changed between now and two years ago or five years ago? The answer is really just critical mass that, uh, that, uh, when one or two people really courageously stood up, a number of other people felt free to do it. And it just had this amazing sort of convulsive effect uh, that that has led to, you know, years and years and years of silence being broken. But you know, of course, the the upside to that is that people are being held to account for some very very bad behavior. The downside is there seems to be a rush to judgment on every single voice that's being raised, and I have real concerns about that. I do too. Um, and but you know what's weird is that in. And we talked about this recently with a uh, law professor from the University of Baltimore is the difference between media and politics. And now a few folks in politics have stepped down, stepped aside. But the folks in politics, men in politics, seem to hang on and deny it much longer than people in media. In media or in entertainment, people are getting fired on the spot. Do you see a difference in the workplace issues there that cause that? Absolutely. So just suppose, Patrick, that somebody, and I'm not suggesting for a minute this would ever happen, but somebody made a claim that you had harassed them, sexually harassed them. Mm -hmm. The standard thing we would do would be to say, okay, Patrick, we're going to put you on a temporary leave so you don't get into any more trouble, and we're going to carefully investigate this. And at the end of the day, after we've gathered evidence and we've talked to witnesses and we've done a credibility assessment, we're going to make a decision about your continued employment. And as your employer, if we find that you violated our policies, we have the ability to tell you to, to pack your bags and go. In politics, there is, no, uh, there is no actual employer. The people are your employer, and they get to show up every two or, four, two or six or four years, depending on your office, and, um, and they get to, to decide whether you get to keep your job. So even the congressional investigation process uh, has no real accountability mechanism. Even if they were to find that a senator or a congressman or even a president were to have uh, sexually assaulted, no less sexually harassed someone, all they can do is sanction them. So the, the stakes for the politician are to stay in denial 
so that they can hold on to their job, knowing that they're not going to be held accountable until they're in front of the voters. Yeah, and yet some of these guys have settled, uh, have been sued or complained in civil courts. Um, That seems to be the only remedy for people who are either uh, in contact with lawmakers or are employed by these guys in in their offices. Is yeah. that, that's a very, pretty risky uh, step to take, though, isn't it? To sue a sitting yeah, uh, member to, of Congress? Yeah, to file a civil suit against somebody for, for firing you over sexual harassment. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a, um, it's a mixed bag because if, if I'm really calculating carefully, I'm going to figure that the motivation for that member of Congress is going to be to settle that suit as quickly as possible rather to, than to go into discovery and have things that could potentially become public. So the strategy to settle a matter, regardless of its merits, is a pretty common one, um, both on the Hill and in the business world. Yeah, it's interesting. We're going to come right back and talk more with Fran Seppler. She is a human relations consultant out of the Twin Cities that's done some work down here in the Dakotas. Uh, we'll be right back after this short commercial break. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. 4.43 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we are continuing our conversation with Fran Seppler, who is a human relations consultant out of the Twin Cities. And uh, we're talking about sexual harassment and assault in the workplace. Uh, Fran, um, we were sort of talking about the broader uh, issues of the Me Too, the Me Too movement, essentially, um, and politics and entertainment. Do you feel like something has fundamentally changed in terms of the way society views sexual harassment in the workplace? Well, I think I think that we periodically as a society go through these convulsive moments where. Um, people tell their stories and people get shocked and we condemn the behavior. And so we're at that point where the, the optics are really intense right now. And um, I think that also has caused a little bit of unclear thinking on the part of the American public in that many of the behaviors that are being described to us, the you know, masturbating in some front of somebody or or exposing yourself to somebody or touching somebody's you know somebody's body in a forceful way these things are sexual assault and they're criminal behavior mm. and um and and the society has decided this behavior is worthy of prosecution whereas sexual harassment in the workplace often involves mostly talk rarely touch. It involves requests for sexual favors, or it may involve inappropriate communication. And it, because it involves a much broader array and, and a much less serious kind of behavior, employers have really broad discretion about the re, how to respond to it. Um, in many cases, people will be coached, or they'll be given a warning, or be told it shouldn't happen again. But what I'm seeing is a tendency for people to call for termination at even you know the slightest level of harassment, and if if the courts and if the Congress and if our lawmakers had wanted that to happen, they would have made it a crime. But rather, they've said this is something where an employer has discretion to assess the level of harm and the level of remediability. And think- I, so I think we should be having two conversations, not just one. Yes, because. And there's people asking questions about why some of these people aren't being charged directly. And mm-hmm. 
oftentimes it's because it take Roy Moore, for example, the allegations made there, if they're true, are well outside the statute of limitations. Uh, and now people are coming uh, Dustin Hoffman today, uh, a young or a woman came out and said when she was 16 years old, he, you know, disrobed in front of her. Uh, but these are activities that happened, you know, in 1980. Um, right. Right. There is no real, there is no real criminal option there, is there? There's not. And for most of those individuals, there's not even a civil option because their their right to file a claim has expired. What do you tell companies? Uh, so you you work with companies directly, um, and uh, you were just quoted in the uh, uh, New York Times this week. I read a piece that you were in uh, where you're talking about how do you help worker workers and employers when you go in? How do you establish these bounds? Do people actually know it? where the boundaries are, and how do you help them see where those lines are? Well, Patrick, I'm betting that a lot of your listeners have been experienced sexual harassment training through their workplace, and I'm going to wager that about 90% of them got marched into a room and got lectured about what it was they should or shouldn't do, and people rolled their eyes, and it wasn't, it wasn't really very helpful. We've, we've taken uh, research that tells us what really makes a difference for people, and really approach the issue of discussing harassment in the workplace in a new way. We start by t- talking with people about what they do want, how they want to be treated, what it looks like when people respect each other, how to communicate with each other if things are uncomfortable or there's a problem, really creating this notion that any of us who were doing something that upset someone would really like to be told about it rather than reported to human resources. So we start with kind of this expectation that we owe each other some feedback and uh, we owe each other clear communication, but we also have a responsibility to be respectful. And then we talk about what it looks like when it goes off the rails. The research that's coming out has shown us that if all we do is we talk about sexual harassment, everybody thinks, well, this isn't about me. But if we talk about things like rude and disrespectful behavior or bullying, more and more people say, ah, this has happened to me, or maybe I'm doing this. And so we put sexual harassment on a range of things that can go wrong and offer up really practical solutions. Like, uh, what kinds of examples can you give me? Like, what do you tell people to do in these situations? If you're, if you're uh, the, a person who feels like they're being harassed or somebody who is seeing something that they're not comfortable with. So we talk about bystander behavior. And depending where you are in your organization's hierarchy, you may have only a little bit that you could do if you see something happening, or you may have a lot. For instance, if you're an employee and you see a supervisor harassing another employee, we're not going to recommend you try and step into that situation. But you can go to your fellow employee and say, hey, I see what's happening to you, and I don't think it's right. Is there anything I can do to help? As somebody who does tons of investigations, I can't tell you how many, how often a, someone who's been harassed has said to me, if only one person had said, I see what's happening, it would have made such a difference. As your level of authority and status in the organization goes up, those interventions can be more direct. You can disrupt or interrupt the behavior. You can have a private conversation with a person whose behavior is a problem and say, you know, I don't think this is working for you. I think this is going to get you in trouble if you keep doing it. And even, you know, if you're a supervisor dealing with another supervisor, you can tell them to knock it off. And so we really do encourage that active bystander behavior at the appropriate level and in the appropriate way. And 
you know, we've seen results of this behavior and that, again, people who are told in the right way, if you keep doing this, I think you're going to get in trouble, take stock. And very often they try and make a change. We're talking with Fran Seppler. She is a human relations consultant and she works with sexual harassment and assault in the workplace. Um, uh, Ms. Seppler, do you think that there is a danger here um, with you, you talk about uh, going in and having conversations, reasonable conversations with people, talking about what's appropriate, what's not appropriate, uh, talking with people who are being perceived as bullies or even is there a, is there a, a danger that with all the news that's going on that people will become less willing to say, I understand I made a mistake. I'm sorry. I, you know, to help me, help me understand or, you know, work with their human relations people or their, their HR people to, to fix the problem. Instead, they'll just hunker down because they know that they're going to get fired immediately. Well, you know, I, I think that the natural, the natural progress is if I say to someone, hey, I want to be your friend, I want to tell you about your behavior, I want to ask you to change it, I'd like you to, I'd like you to really think about it, and that person gets massively defensive, mm-hmm. the next step for me is to say, well, that didn't work, and I have a responsibility to make sure this person doesn't get harassed, so I'm going to need to report this. And you know, now they're in an investigative process, and that's certainly uh, much riskier than actually owning up to the behavior. Do you think the companies now are going to, one of the things that uh, I've read, and I think it was in that same New York Times article that you're quoted, was that companies are have only done the bare minimum with uh, sexual harassment training because of Supreme Court decisions and laws that have basically set the bar very low, saying you have to do this so that you can say you did something so you're not liable as a company. Mm-hmm. Do you think that all this, uh, the news that's going on and the sort of wave that's sweeping the country will make us revisit what we do do in the workplace and uh, try and raise those standards? Or is the legal structure such that companies just are always going to do the minimum? Research shows that that bare bones sexual harassment training, compliance training actually can make things worse. Now, with that being said, we know that there are companies that really do care about their culture and their people and some that don't. And so the companies that really care about their culture and people are paying attention to the negative impacts of poor training, the positive impacts of good training, and building that into their overall strategy to create great workplaces. However, if an organization really doesn't care, if they see their people as not a particularly important resource, all they have to do is the bare minimum, and they've got their shield from liability. There are no standards. So I think it's really about the intentions and the qualities of the employer. Um, And I certainly see soup to nuts. I I know that I'm doing some really wonderful training with some organizations and other organizations reject my training because they only want to spend 45 minutes on the topic. Mm -hmm. If I'm a business owner or a supervisor of any sort, what question should I ask myself uh, in terms of um, the atmosphere that's in my business? I mean, is there, how, how do I know that I'm doing the right thing? It's Uh, kind of an ephemeral question. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you three simple questions. One, uh, do I feel respected at work? Number two, does my employer value me? And number three, um, uh, does my work matter? 
I put those questions in front of supervisors and I say, if you are behaving in a way, if you are managing in a way, you're supervising in a way, you're compensating in a way that results in your employees answering these three questions, yes, yes, I feel respected, yes, I feel valued, yes, my work matters, then you've essentially inoculated yourself against harassment. Mm -hmm. So to me, that's what supervisors should be focusing on. And the other thing is they should be trustworthy. If they tell an employee they're going to do something, they should do it because we know that when employees make the decision to complain about what's happening to the workplace, the first thing they consider is, can I trust the person I'm talking to? So if they're trustworthy and they are available and they focus on creating a respectful workplace, they're going to get those complaints early when they're resolvable and manageable and not when it's 16, 18 months down the road and the person is ready to file a lawsuit. Fran Sepler, good advice. Uh, she is a human relations consultant out of the Twin Cities, Sepler & Associates. Fran, thank you very much for taking a few minutes to help us navigate this issue. Thank you for having me. We'll be right back on The Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. <laughs> 458 on The Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000, K-S-O-O. And of course, the lovely tones of Clash. This is Radio Clash. Means we're finishing up today's show and finishing up the week. And what a week it was, man. Lots of great stuff this week. News, politics, music, economics, literature, Good stuff. Hope you'll come back on Monday. We'll have the Boon Man back. Maybe get Kelsey Passholes in here. It's going to be fun. Be safe out there, everybody. Have a great weekend. We will see you on Monday on the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO.